0: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 11, and we're recording on Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm doing alright,
1: having computer issues, as you... Are aware? Not you, Katie, and <laughs> not you, the listener. Hopefully, everything will go smoothly this time.
0: <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, but other than that, how is uh, how is your week? Are you Are you gearing up for Halloween? Um, I'm not really a huge Halloween person
1: in the sense of like, I don't really like I don't dress up anymore, um, mostly because I just don't go out of my house. (laughs) I mean, like for Halloween, not in general. I do leave my house. Um, (laughs) My gearing up for Halloween is mostly, you know, buying candy and then also getting ready for the day after Halloween when I can buy all of the discounted candies.
0: Yeah, that is that is a beautiful day. Like I I go to Target and then snatch up everything that's not. I mean, usually you have kind of the crap candy left over, the ones that, you know, yeah. the the ones that you throw out as soon as you get home. But sometimes you get lucky and get like, you know, like a bag of Snickers for 50 percent off.
1: Yeah. Like what you need to like the key is always to look for the stuff that has like the Halloween packaging on it because they can't like keep that forever like obviously the stuff that's just like general candy bags like they're gonna keep that and just reuse them but you got to find the stuff that's like Halloween themed because that's always the discounted stuff so if you can find like a decent candy that has Halloween like wrapping on it then you're solid
0: yeah um and it's funny because since um since I moved out to the area where I currently live well and where I was living before that you know I lived in an apartment so I don't I don't and didn't get really any trick or treaters around Halloween, um, but my parents um, in their old house they moved to um, they moved to a new house last year that's um, that's very much secluded. Um, but their but their old house it was just on just a straight block of houses like it's prime trick or treating area a uh, prime trick or treating area. And our town is weird because they do trick or treating the on Halloween mm-hmm. whereas every other town in the vicinity does trick or treating the Sunday before Halloween like yeah. literally every other town in the vicinity so everyone comes to our town and my parents old neighborhood because it's such prime trick or treating it's such a such a prime trick or treating trick or treating block um that my parents my mom estimates like they'd get probably 500 kids holy cow Yeah, and we're not even, like... We're really far from... And my parents are far from, like, Chicago or anything. They are in a tiny little town. It's, like, 6,000 people... And, yeah, my mom was saying she was like, yeah, she's like, yeah, we have like four or five hundred kids every year. She worries that she's going to run out of candy. And I'm like, just start giving boxes of raisins to the high schoolers who don't show up in costume like (laughs) that'll solve half your problems right there. That is very true.
1: Yeah. My neighborhood, like I live in a subdivision subdivision. And so when I was growing up, it was like peak. Kids in this neighborhood. And so there was this theory that if you went to every single house in our subdivision, you would get a sleeping bag or not a sorry, not a sleeping bag, a pillowcase full of candy. I was never able to do it because you get so tired. And like by the end of the night, uh, a lot of houses run out of candy. So Mm -hmm. I never actually got to test the theory to see if it was true. And now we're at the point where in our subdivision, a lot of the families have stayed, but they're older. So their kids are like grown up and moved out. And there aren't as many like newer, younger families here with kids trick-or-treating. So we do get like a handful of trick-or-treaters. But at this point, like by the time I get home from work, they're already done because it's all like kids do it like right after school and then they're done by like 5 6 p.m. so it's like crazy like how much things have changed but we were definitely one of those like there were a couple of years where we did the sunday trick-or-treating thing uh but mm-hmm. my parents would always still let us do it also on halloween night so sometimes we would do it twice
0: yeah we we'd get like literal van loads of kids that would just stop at the end of the block and you see like seven or eight kids pile out of the van and then they just go up and down up and down the block and I mean it's it's been like that for a long time but it just gets it just gets busier and busier every year and when I was in college I'd sit out with my mom and watch the trick-or-treating and she and she'd just be like all right here we go like (laughs) put on your battle armor (laughs) we're gonna have a lot of kids that's insane so the only
1: other trick-or-treating story that i have is uh we my cousins and i always wanted to go to michael jordan's house to go trick-or-treating (laughs) because supposedly his wife would actually be out there and like she would be at the end of the driveway so you wouldn't get to go like all the way up uh but you and she would actually give out like normal sized candy bars supposedly but Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's all just like urban legend like chicago (laughs) urban legends (laughs)
0: Now, that's my kind of urban legend. Michael Jordan giving out giving out regular size candy bars.
1: I mean, if anything, like he's going to be the one person who would actually give out regular size candy bars. I would think he can afford it.
0: Yeah, that was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, none none of this fun size candy bar stuff. Exactly. But, anyways, do you want
1: to tell everyone what our podcast is about besides Halloween candy? <laughs>
0: Oh yeah! For the first take, we did ice cream. Second take, we're doing Halloween candy. We have a sweet tooth here at Red or Dead. Um, but yes, yeah, so when we're when we're not talking about uh, junk food, we are talking about uh, mysteries and thrillers. And the and everything that comes along with it. So, um, whether we're doing a themed episode or talking about a new um, movie adaptation, or we're talking about a new crime TV show that's out, or whatever it, whatever it may be, we're we're talking all about mysteries and thrillers. Um, and we uh, and a lot of times we have you know we have stuff that ties into timely events or you know big announcements that are happening. But we also really love to hear from listeners listeners. listeners who um who might have suggestions for things that they'd like to hear us uh talk about or give recommendations for on the podcast so if you happen to have a recommendation for us um that you that you'd like to hear us talk about feel free to get in contact with us drop us a note um, and let us know what you'd like to what you'd like to hear on the podcast because we are totally open to suggestions and we love hearing from people so yeah if you have any ideas hit us up
1: all right. Uh, so the first thing that we're going to talk about is related to the movie adaptation of The Snowman by Joe Nesba, which was recently released, I think, just here in the United States. I don't know if it opened worldwide or not, but it is getting just absolutely panned by everyone. It is has horrible reviews coming out from critics, even people who have gone and seen it are talking about how bad it is. The current t- Rotten Tomatoes rating is as of this recording. So, even if you don't necessarily like Rotten Tomatoes or don't always agree with Rotten Tomatoes ratings, 8% is pretty bad. And it's just been, at this point, it's fun reading all of the bad reviews. Like, I was so excited for this movie. I think you were as well, Katie, Uh, when the trailer dropped. It was such a good trailer. We talked about it in a previous episode. And yeah, it was kind of. Originally, I was really upset that it was getting completely panned because I wanted it to be a good movie. But at this point now, I'm just kind of entertained by this whole situation.
0: Yeah, I think I think the word train wreck would be a good one to describe this. Like, it's one thing if a movie just, you know, just isn't good. But this one is like spectacularly bad, it sounds like. Um, It's... From everything that I've read, it's it just sounds like the I don't know if it was if it was the movie studio just really rushing production from the very beginning, um, but the director himself during the um, during like press conferences uh, to promote the movie. He, the director himself is basically telling people, don't go see this movie. Like, if there's a red flag that <laughs> indicates that you should not see a movie, the director himself saying, you know what, it's not good. I think that's a pretty good sign that the movie's not good. Um, But it's, he said that they weren't able to shoot like 10 to 15% of the script, which if you have a thriller or a mystery, like where you have all of these if you are supposed to have all like all of these clues building towards towards something at the end, you, you kind of need all of those pieces. But from other stuff that I've read, I don't even know that they had that. Like the uh, the the script just sounds like it was the script sounds terrible. They you know they they have a character explain what the, what being what being infertile means like and I. And the, and there, oh, there's also a few um, a few reviews that were talking about um, how the one of the things from, in the movie was like the killer is leaving is leaving notes to Mr. Police or Mr. Policeman. It's like oh I'm going to leave you clues, and the people are like he didn't leave any clues. Like he, he sent <laughs> one cryptic note, but there wasn't a clue in there. Like they're like I don't I don't know who this serial killer is. Like I, they're like is the most he's the most inept serial killer that they've ever seen um there's there's one there's there was a quote from one of the articles that we'll be we'll be posting links to all of these articles in case you want to read through them because some of them are very funny um but there is there is one line that said you could mad lib the plot of the snowman and it would make more sense than the snowman i mean there's not much that you can really do at that point (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, the So The Ringer is the one that has like sort of this exit interview that they did. Basically, they sent like, I think it's four or five of their different writers to go see the movie. And then they asked them all like a series of questions that they answered like a survey. And their answers are hilarious. So if anything, you don't even need to go watch The Snowman. You could just read this, I feel like, and be entertained enough. Uh, one of my favorite parts was Uh, The question of like, what was the best or like best worst part of the movie? And one of the characters or one of the writers is like uh, the frozen lake, (laughs) which is basically and he like keeps bringing up the frozen lake then throughout the interview, which is really funny to me. Uh, But yeah, it's just I feel like the entertainment for this movie is now just coming from the fact that everyone is just completely panning it and everyone's just making all of these jokes about it. Um, I follow different a bunch of different like critics on Twitter. And so there was one guy who was, like, asking questions because he hadn't seen the movie or read the book. And so he was just asking, like, with... So there's like a scene where or you can see like there's like a person with like a snowman head. And so he's basically like, so is the killer uh, replacing the heads with a full snowman head? Or is he just packing snow around <laughs> the face of a person? And then all these critics are just responding and like making jokes. And I feel like now this movie has just become a good source of comedic material for everyone because that's all it has to offer. Like everything else about it is just horrible, horrible. Uh, <laughs> Which, poor Michael Fassbender to have this on your resume now, but I'm assuming this is, he had very little to do with why it's such a train wreck.
0: Yeah, I I feel like this is going to be one of those movies that ends up having a really solid drinking game made for it. Oh my gosh.
1: Or I want someone to do like a new cut of it where they make it into like a comedy or something. You know, like those like YouTube things where they like recut a movie and it seems like a completely different genre. I would watch that.
0: Yeah. And I really, I really hope that this, that for people who have not read the book, I really hope that this does not turn away people from trying the book, because I know know we talked about the trailer on an earlier show, and we talked about the book. The book itself is fantastic. It's really, it's really well written. It's dark. It's gritty. It's creepy. It's a really, really solid Scandinavian noir mystery um so if you haven't read The Snowman please do not let the movie uh take away from that like seriously just just read the book and forget that the movie that the movie was made and you'll be just fine um maybe a little disappointed that you don't get to see it in film adaptation but I mean if this is the results we're gonna get I think we're all better off
1: yeah I was kind of hoping that I mean and maybe like I'm sure the studio was too. Was like if this what did well, then there would be more Joe Nesbitt books ad- adapted into films. But I don't see that happening anymore.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, or we just gotta get someone who knows their stuff in a movie studio that's not gonna is not gonna you know speed everything everything through production too fast. Um, but yeah, let let this be like let this be a a lesson learned for. For filmmakers and in production studios this is what happens like we we can get some really good adaptations but this is what happens when you don't (laughs) when you don't pay attention to the source material or you or you just rush everything and just you know attack on a bunch of famous names and hope that'll that'll save the movie because it won't and we will all be very sad
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping. I I don't even know what to hope for in the future. Just, do, just do better, Hollywood. <laughs> just, just do better.
0: Sincerely, everyone. Yeah.
1: I mean, that could just be a letter to Hollywood about a lot of things. Let's be real.
0: Oh so. God. <laughs> yeah, but that's 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 an entirely different discussion for an entirely different podcast. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's move
1: on to something happier. Yeah. Um. So. The other thing that we kind of wanted to talk about is that since, you know, it is Halloween week, when this episode drops, it's going to be Halloween weekend. So we decided to do a little bit of like a Halloween themed discussion, uh, talk about maybe some Halloween thrillers and mysteries. But this turned out to be kind of an interesting experience for both of us because there aren't like when you think of Halloween, you think of something like scary and eerie and thrilling and whatnot but surprisingly like there aren't really a lot of mysteries that have to do with Halloween um so personally, if I'm wanting to do sort of like Halloween reading, I don't necessarily go for something that has to do with Halloween specifically. Like I don't even go for stuff that has like witches or ghosts or anything like that. I just go for something that might be slightly eerie or creepy or have sort of like a cold feeling to them as opposed to something like Halloween. I'm putting air quotes around the word Halloween that you can't see because this is a podcast. Um, <laughs> Halloween specific to the book. So I don't know, Katie, how do you, what do you go for when it comes to like Halloween reading?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty much I'm the same. I mean, I'm all about creepy, spooky, scary, eerie, atmospheric. Um, like if I'm if I'm picking a Halloween mystery or thriller novel, it's probably gonna be something that's like set in the woods or just it has just kind of that just that cold fall feel to it. Not ness not specifically Halloween themed. Um, like it's not going to be it's not going to be a book that has you know jack o' lanterns on the cover or anything like that. But I know that there are a lot of readers that really enjoy these types of themed mysteries. Um, I when i was looking for um a possible a possible book to talk about for this episode you know most of the books that i was coming across were cozies which you know makes sense so with the the way cozy mysteries are written there's a lot of room for different you know whether it's different occupations or hobbies or holidays i mean you can really you know you you can really have a lot of themed mysteries and my boyfriend's mother she loves holiday themed Cozy mysteries. She calls it "Homicide for Her Homicide for the Holidays" collection, and she has she has Halloween theme mysteries that she puts out in the fall, and she has a ton of Christmas theme mysteries that she that she puts out um, around Christmas time. And uh, I actually I've borrowed her idea to, when I do book displays at the library for the last few years. I've done a Homicide for the Holidays uh, book display, but you know she she really loves those those types of you know fun, cute, cozy mysteries, um, but we've, when I was picking a book to read, I mean, we've recently done a cozy mystery episode and I was like, I want to try something different. (laughs) So, um, I was able to find a non-cozy mystery, but why don't you talk about, um, why don't you go ahead and talk about your giveaway or not your giveaway. I'm sorry. I read down the, our our agenda notes. So why don't you talk about the book that you picked for, for this show?
1: Yes. So the book that I picked Feels like it could kind of be a cozy mystery, but it's not really a cozy mystery. It's Halloween Party by Agatha Christie, so it's a Perot novel that takes place kind, or it starts off at a Halloween party. And like when you read the con- like the synopsis of it, it sounds kind of insane. Um, this is one of the later Agatha Christie books, so this isn't like her best by any means, but it's kind of fun. It takes place again at a Halloween party, and it starts off with this girl who. I think she's only a teenager and she's at this Halloween party with her friends and she's talking to them about how she says that she saw someone get murdered once and no one at the party believes her. They just think she's like telling the story because it's around Halloween and she's trying to freak them out and like she's pulling their legs, et cetera, et cetera. So she leaves the party kind of upset. And then a couple of hours later, she's found dead inside one of those like barrels that you use for apple bobbing. And so Perot is called to figure out what happened to this girl, but he also has to try to figure out whether or not she was telling the truth about seeing someone who was murdered. And if so, then he has sort of like two mysteries that he's trying to solve. So this, again, it's, starts off at a Halloween party it doesn't take place all on Halloween Uh, so it's not like a full Halloween story but I think it's kind of just a fun one to set the mood or to get you in the mood if you want to read something that takes place on Halloween and obviously like it's a pro Agatha Christie so you know it's not gonna it's not again it's not the best and if you haven't read Agatha Christie before do not start with this book because I think it's a little bit formulaic Um, it doesn't have sort of like the fun aspects of Agatha Christie books in my opinion but uh, if you have read Agatha Christie before and you like Perot specifically, then I think that this is uh, one that you can pick up around the Halloween season or this time of year and just kind of have some fun with a, like fun detective mystery.
0: Yeah. And um when I mentioned earlier when I was picking, when I was trying to find a book that I wanted to read. This this was on my list of possible of possible books to pick, and then I saw you had picked it. I went, oh, good thing I didn't pick that one, yeah. um, and also good thing because I, as I admitted on a previous show, please do not shame me. I have not read a full Agatha Christie novel yet, which I promise will change with the with the movie coming out in just a couple of weeks for Murder on the Orient Express. Um, but I'm glad I did not pick this one because you know if I want to if if I'm going to start, uh, my first Agatha Christie novel, I want it to be a good one. Um, not, and you know, I can, I can worry about the other one, other ones later as I move through her, uh, through, through her books. But the, um, the book that I ended up picking was The Fifth Petal by Brunonia Berry, which came out at the beginning of this year. And it's, the book kind of like, kind of like yours, it doesn't take place all on halloween but there's a there's a murder that occurs in salem massachusetts there's a um there's a murder of several young gorgeous women like we'll say like 25 years ago and they were um they were murdered near the site of where uh, historians now believe the Salem, the the people who were accused of witchcraft back in the 1690s were hung, and so they're they're killed near that location. And then 25 years later, there's another murder that um, that takes place kind of at the at the same location. And so um, part of it is a mystery you know, finding out, you know, who killed the the women 25 years ago, because that case was never solved. And then, of course, who committed the murder this, this time in the present. Um, and it's, what I really was intrigued by with this book is that it has that mystery element, but it also has a supernatural element to it as well. Um, I mean, obviously, there's talk of witchcraft, both, you know, historical witches, like the Salem Witch Trials, and the people who come to Salem, Massachusetts that, you know, that are practicing witches, like, who actually live there. So you have that, that witchcraft element, but then you also have a supernatural element because uh, the woman who was originally accused of committing the the, the first set of murders... Um, she was never charged, but she said that um, that a banshee killed them like the, so that there's this dark spirit um, residing in the woods residing in her that that killed these these people and that's you know kind of still there. And it's got a really great creepy cold fall feel to it kind of like I mentioned before. Um, but what I what I really loved about this book is that, I've, I've only been to Salem once, but I I went last year with a group of friends and the book just captures the, the feeling that you have when you're in Salem. Um, and it's, I mean, it's small town, cobblestone streets. Um, I went to, I can't remember, I can't remember if that was Proctor's Ledge. Um, but I, there's, they have, they have a memorial to like with different benches and um, in like this little courtyard where it lists the different uh, the names of the people who were accused and hung for witchcraft um, back in the 1690s. we we visited the spot, the spot where they believe that the the hangings occurred. Um, it's near a Walgreens now which which is kind of kind of weird. Um, but you really get this, just get this old, spooky sense when, when you're, when you're in Salem and you, you get, you know, it's a coastal town. You just feel the history there. Um, and like, there is something, there's something a little, little magical in the, in the air when you're there. And I, I haven't finished the book yet. Um, but I'm about a third of the way through right now. Um, but it's just such a great atmospheric read that I just thought it would be, it would just be a perfect, suggestion if you're looking for something you know something something kind of spooky but not so not so spooky that you're going to have to like put the book in the freezer or anything like that um so if you're looking for something along those lines and like i said it does parts of it do take place actually on halloween so it is de- so it is it is typically or uh technically halloween themed for this suggestion um but yeah if you're if you're looking for a book like that i would definitely pick that one up and that is the uh the fifth petal by brunonia barry
1: that actually sounds really good Halloween pick. Like I would really now that I'm hearing you talk about it I'm like hmm, I might have to go to my library and see if they have it.
0: Yeah, and I knew about this book but I didn't realize like I don't remember how I, you know, put two and two together and be like, "Oh, this would be a good one to to talk about." I just I just remembered it and I was like, "Well, you know, it was in Salem." I'm like, "Maybe it takes place on Halloween." I looked up the synopsis and went, "Bingo! Okay, that's the one we're reading."
1: Perfect timing. It was meant to be.
0: All right. So why don't you talk, I was going to say, before I get into the new releases, how about you talk about our awesome sponsor giveaway?
1: Yes, I definitely will. So... The people at Book Riot are wonderful, and they do lots of giveaways on the website. If you don't, check out bookriot.com on a regular basis. I highly recommend doing so uh, for many reasons, but especially because they do a lot of giveaways. And they are doing a very big one right now. They are giving away a $500 gift card to the bookstore of your choice. And that means it could be Amazon gift card. It could be a Barnes & Noble gift card. It could be to your local independent bookstore, um, wherever you Buy books, they will give you a $500 gift card to uh, buy books. That's like a year's or so, depending on how many books you buy in a year, (laughs) worth of reading. Um, This is open internationally as well. So if you do not live in the United States, do not fret. You are allowed to enter as well. It's open until the end of November, November twenty sixth is when it officially closes. So you have a little bit of time, but definitely just sign up as soon as you can, just so you don't forget. If you want to sign up, you could head to bookriot.com slash bookstore giveaway. And if there will be a link to it in our show notes as well in case you don't remember that or you're like in the car right now and so you can't enter right now. Uh, but you definitely should enter. It's, you know, completely free. All you have to do is sign up for the giveaways newsletter which in general is probably a good idea to sign up for. Um, As people who work for Book Riot, we are not eligible for any of the giveaways that they do on the site, which is really unfortunate because they give away some really good stuff, (laughs) including this $500 gift card. Um, So again, you can head to bookriot.com slash bookstore giveaway to sign up for this $500 gift card. Um, And again, they're just doing it for free. So feel free to enter and check it out and good luck to everyone.
0: Yeah, this is a really awesome giveaway. I whoever whoever wins. Well, I know whoever wins is going to be super excited, but I'm super excited for whoever wins.
1: Yeah, like part of me wants to know. Like, I want to see what books they end up buying with the gift card, even though I know that won't happen. But I think it would be really interesting to see like someone tracking like what books they end up buying with a gift card. Because I feel like when I get a gift card, I like buy different books than when I'm. Necess- like then when I'm spending my own money because sometimes I'll like splurge a little bit more and I'll get like maybe like a special edition of something or something along those lines and I wouldn't necessarily like get that with my own money all the time
0: yeah I think that would be really cool um okay so let's um I'm gonna jump into some new releases and as I was mentioning to you Rincey, um before we started recording that the the new releases are getting we're getting to some A little bit slimmer pickings towards the end of the year, as you know, the new uh, the fall releases are starting to drop away. We don't get as many new releases during the winter, Um, but we do have some uh, some really interesting sounding books that are going to be coming out um, in the uh, first week of November. So, um, the chronologically, the first book that um, I want to mention that's going to be coming out is called Convenient Suspect, A Double Murder, A Flawed Investigation, and the Railroading of an Innocent Woman by Tammy Mall, or Mal, I'm not sure, it's M-A-L, and that book comes out on November 1st. And it tells the the true story. Um, in uh, December of 1994, Joanne Katarnek and her three month year old or her three month old son Alex went missing from their Pennsylvania home, and four months later. Their bodies were found in the woods, and the police would launch a three year investigation that ultimately led to the arrest of a woman named Patricia Lynn Rohrer, who was a young mother but who had never met either one of the victims but she was um but she was charged. It was actually Pennsylvania's first use of mitochondrial DNA evidence in a criminal case. And uh, Patricia Rohrer was try- very quickly tried, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison but without parole. But now the book um, is asking, did the jury make the right decision? Is she guilty? And they take a look at new evidence that's continuing to surface, including allegations of evidence tampering um, that suggest that she should not, you know, she should not have been charged for this crime. So if you're a fan of, like, if you listen to Serial, um, or if you're just a fan of true crime in general, this would be a really um, interesting book to uh, To pick up, it has a lot of new information that's never been made public before, um, from documents and police reports and FBI files, um, lots of interviews and phone calls and visits with Patricia Rohr. Um, it really puts together a new, um, a new, a new uh, idea of what of what actually happened to uh, Joanne and her son Alex so um so yeah I'm super I'm into true crime and this sounds really this sounds really interesting um especially if you know if the if it ends up showing that you know she did not commit the crime and if that can if that can bring her and, uh, can get her sentence overturned, you know, that, that would be really interesting. So if you're into true crime and stuff like that, um, you'll want to pick up Convenient Suspect by Tammy Mall, and that is released on November 1st. Um, and then that we have a couple of books that are, that are being released the week after. Um, there's, uh, there's a collection of books from, uh, I don't know if it's Akashic or Akashic books, but they have this noir series that they, that they put out. It started, I think, in 2004. And if you can think of a country or a city or anything like that, they have put out a noir uh, short story collection. They have Brooklyn, they've got Chicago, D.C., Dublin, Mumbai, um, I mean, literally all over the world. And then on November 7th, they um, their newest collection of noir short stories is coming out. Uh, it's Buenos Aires Noir, uh, edited by Ernesto Malo, and that comes out on November 7th. So if you are a fan of noir fiction, or even if you're not like me, I'm not typically a fan of noir, but because there's such a diverse range of cities and areas that they that they've collected into these anthologies um this would be a really, a really great uh, collection to pick up. Each story is set in a distinct neighborhood or location within the city of the book, so you really get a flavor for the different areas and uh, cultures and neighborhoods that make up these different cities. Um, And just in general, uh, the book talks about how Buenos Aires is a city of contrasts and contradictions, always on the edge of chaos, where multimillionaires and and the destitute anxiously coexist in close quarters, um, which to me just sounds, that just sounds fantastic. Um, so again, if you are a Noir fan, or even if you're not and just want to get a taste of some really interesting international uh, mystery writers, um, this collection, uh, Buenos Aires Noir, by um, edited by Ernesto Malo, would be a great one to pick up. And that comes out on November 7th. And then also on November 7th uh, is the book Heather the Totality by Matthew Weiner, and um, and this is his this is uh, Matthew Weiner's debut novel about family power and privilege, but you may recognize his name as the creator of Mad Men. So that right there I think is just is just a great a great draw. Um, the the basic premise of the story. Mark and Karen Breakstone have constructed the idyllic life of wealth and status they've always wanted, and that just made complete by their beautiful daughter Heather, but they're still not quite as at the top. And when the new owners of the penthouse above them begin construction, an unstable stranger enters their lives and threatens to destroy everything they've created. And for me, I love a good domestic thriller, especially if it's full of rich people problems. But <laughs> um, <laughs> And so this one, especially I was gonna say, if it's coming from the creator of Mad Men, you know it's it's gonna be pretty interesting. And I think I think I saw that the page count for this book is really small, like it might be under 150 pages. So my my intuition is telling me that this is gonna be like a short but really powerful debut novel that you know packs a punch. So if that sounds like it's up your alley, definitely want to check out uh Heather the Totality by Matthew Weiner. And again, that comes out on November. November 7th. Yeah, I'm
1: really interested in the noir series. I haven't read any of them yet. I kept seeing the Chicago one because obviously we live in Chicago. So I kept seeing that one at like different bookstores. But the Buenos Aires one actually sounds like the most interesting. I don't know if it's just because like I'm more interested in like international cities. Like I feel like it adds some new flavor to uh, mystery stories. Uh, But yeah, I kind of really want to pick that one up
0: yeah and like I said, I'm not typically a fan of noir, but but, like I said, just seeing how broad the spectrum of books that they're that they're offering for for this series i mean there's there's dozens of different books, and I'm like, okay if i'm gonna you know if I'm gonna dip my toes into Noir, this feels like a great way to do it,
1: yeah, for sure all right um so to wrap things up, we can move on to what we are currently reading and or in what we've uh, recently finished. So the book that I recently finished was Wife of Gods by Quay Quarte which I've talked about on the previous episode. I believe I mentioned it last time as the book I was reading. And so I finally I finished it uh, in these past two weeks and I really enjoyed it a lot. I'm definitely going to be checking out more from this series Um if you aren't aware or you didn't hear me talk about it last time, this is a mystery series that takes place in Ghana and you are following this detective named Darko Dawson. Uh, he is, you know, sort of one of the top detectives in the Ghana's capital city and he has like a wife and a son and he is basically ordered by his boss to uh, head to this sort of smaller village in Ghana to uh, look into this mystery woman who has been murdered and so it's a really really interesting series partially because like it's a good mystery book but partially because like it very much involves like the culture and the way of life and just everything that's happening in Ghana which is so different obviously than what's happening here in the United States because there are people there who still believe in things like witchcraft and um, sort of like these elders who have like special abilities or powers to like heal and things like that. Um, there's definitely this sort of like juxtaposition between uh, the detective who like lives in this major city and is very much like a straight ahead detective sort of guy and like all of these different village people who have like sort of different points of views on like how police work is done and how you handle different crimes and how you talk to different people um he definitely butts heads with a lot of the different police officers um and he gets into a little bit of trouble with that um it also the woman whose murder was basically like a promising medical student and so a lot of it has to deal with like what she was telling like the different villagers and um whether or not that came into play with her death. Um, But the main detective, Detective Dawson, is also a complicated character as well. Um, He has, like, a son who's sick, who he's, like, forced to leave uh, for significant periods of time because, like, he's working on this case. And so, like, part of it's about, like, his, like, relationship with his wife and his son. Um, And so, yeah, it's just a really interesting series. I think that if you're someone who likes just, like, Straight up mystery books. I would highly recommend checking these out, especially because it has just like a different flavor and a different sort of storytelling technique because it does take place in a completely different country. Um, I'm not sure how many books are out from in this series, but I know that there's at least like three or four. Um, So I'm definitely planning on continuing on with the series. And again, the first one is called Wife of Gods by Kwe Korte. And then the book that I'm currently reading, I'm not reading any like typical mystery thriller books at the moment. The book that I picked up recently is actually Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, which is a mystery, but it's sort of like a gothic book. I picked it up because, again, like we were talking about at the top of the episode, like during this time of year, I like to pick up things that are slightly more atmospheric. Um, And this is sort of like a classic gothic novel that has like a bit of a mystery element to it. Um, It's reminding me a lot of Jane Eyre. And I think it's just because... There's this whole sort of mystery around the husband character in the story. So in case you aren't aware, um, in the story of Rebecca, you're following this sort of unnamed narrator who is a relatively young woman. Um, She's on vacation in Monte Carlo and she ends up uh, meeting this man who's there. And like she, sorry, the young woman is there like accompanying another older woman like her Job is basically to be someone else's companion. Um, so she's like going on vacation with this older woman. And so this older woman is aware of this man who's there who is like known among society. He's very rich and wealthy. Um, and so the older woman was like trying to get his attention, you know, in order to possibly like marry him and whatnot and like move up in society. But the narrator is actually the one who ends up uh, catching his attention so they end up getting married very quickly while on this vacation and he takes her back to his like home called um manderley or manderley i'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that uh but the entire thing is sort of like haunted by his previous wife and his previous wife is named rebecca and so he doesn't really talk about her very much the narrator doesn't know anything about her she's just trying to like pick up any information that she can from like the help and like the neighbors and other family members and trying to figure out like what exactly happened with her why is everyone so like secretive and not really talking about it um It's a really good book so far. I'm only about a third of the way through, I think, so far. But it's really, really great for this time of year. If you want something like cold and atmospheric and has sort of like a slight eeriness to it, then I definitely recommend this book. And I think it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a twist on the mystery too because this is more like a classic but it has like that mysterious element to it I honestly have no idea where this story is going to go which I think is always just a lot of fun when you're going into a book I surprisingly know like very little about it um other than a lot of people really love it um but, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And, again, that's Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, if you haven't checked that out one out yet already.
0: Yeah, that one's been on my list for a while to read um, that I haven't gotten around to it. And, like, I know enough about the story that I can recognize, like, its influences in other movies, um, but... Yeah, I haven't actually read the book itself, and that, that's one that's always kind of been hovering on my to-read list, but it's never been bumped up to the top, so I'll be interested to hear what you think of it when you finish it. Um, as far, for me, I've kind of got a lot of books in the air right now. Um, I did finish uh, reading a book, which I mentioned a couple episodes ago, The Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino, and that's a it's a Japanese mystery novel. Um, the mystery is, well, there's... Um, there's there's a woman and her daughter, and they are kind of being uh being harassed by her ex-husband who is Um, he's selfish, he's greedy, he's abusive. Um, and she just, she's trying to get away from him. She's trying to get him out of her life, but he kind of keeps following her. And one evening he comes to her, he finds, he finds her at her house and he comes there to ask for money. Um, but things escalate and, uh, she ends up killing her ex-husband. This is not a spoiler. It's, you know, in chapter one, it's, I think it's mentioned on the back of the book, Um, it's, so that happens at the very beginning of the book. Um, and so she's freaking out, you know, what do I do? And, uh, her neighbor who lives next door to her, uh, hears the commotion and he comes over to help actually, um, because he's kind of harbored this, this longing for this, this woman for a long time, kind of like an unrequited love or, you know, uh, uh, just, he's just kind of like been loving her from a distance for a long time, which in itself is kind of creepy as well, but he, he helps her and her daughter, cause her daughter was involved as well. He helps them create an alibi. He helps, he helps, uh, dispose of the body. Um, so you find out, you find out all, about all this at the beginning and then the book kind of goes back and forth between, um, between the wife and, uh, the neighbor's point of view, and then the detective who has been assigned to the case to find out what happened. What happened to uh, to the man? Because his body is eventually found on the banks of a river, and so the the police are trying to figure out what exactly happened. Um, so it kind of it kind of goes back and forth. Um, and even though you know who killed him. You don't. We don't know everything about the crime, so there is there is still a reveal at the end, um, and obviously I will not go into what it is. Um, I did. I have a couple people when they found out I was reading it went, "Oh, the ending is great," and I have to say, I um, I did not see the the ending coming. Um. So, and I. I mean, I, I like to think I'm generally surprised by stuff, but you know, I've read enough mysteries and thrillers and stuff that I can like, even when a twist happens, I can sometimes be like, okay, yeah, I can see, you know, where that happened. This one, it kind of came out. It's not one I don't think you could easily guess, but it totally makes sense. Um, so I, I really enjoyed this one and I thought it was a really interesting look at like differences in detective work. Um, because the, the police, uh, detective who's investigating the case. He has a friend who is, um, he's a professor at a local university. He's a physics professor, but he, they, he consults with him. The detective consults with with his friend on different cases. Um, and in this one, uh, he he consults with him, and then the friend the friend realizes that he knows the neighbor who lives next door to the woman and and her daughter. Um, and he kind of like starts to put together certain pieces of the puzzle on his own, but he doesn't. He's not really forthcoming with the detective. Like he'll outright tell him like. Yes, I have a theory about what happened, but I can't tell you what it is. And the, the detective is just kind of like in, in internally he's thinking, hmm, I wonder if I should push him, but no, he's you know he's got his own thing that he's investigating. I'll just leave him alone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if this were an American crime novel and like one of and one of the side characters told the told the police officer that they had you know they had information but they weren't going to divulge it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You know what would hit the fan? Like yeah. that just doesn't happen. So that was that was a really interesting perspective on it. Um, so re- if you're looking for you know kind of a traditional mystery novel, but with a great with a great twist and a great uh, cultural element to it, um, the Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino is a great one to pick up. Um, and then the other one that I finished, it is it I would say this one falls more on the realm of horror. But it's a horror mystery. Uh, it's a it's a good horror mystery blend, and I love this book so much. That I have, I've just been telling everyone about it. Um, it's Disappearance at Devil's Rock by Paul Tremblay. Uh, he wrote the book A Head Full of Ghosts a couple of years ago, um, which is another horror novel that was fabulous. Um, this book is. Um, it starts with the disappearance of a thirteen-year-old boy. He and his friends uh, were in the woods at this rock formation in the woods that uh, some of the locals refer to as Devil's Rock. It, ha- it has a um, it has an urban legend attached to it about um, about how the the devil lived um, out by that rock and was trapped in it a year you know centuries ago. Um, but this but this boy dis- um, Tommy disappears and. So there's an investigation, you know. They call in the police, and they're trying to figure out what happened to him. Um, and while they're, you know, while they're investigating, um, the Tommy's family is just, you know, they're consumed by grief, but trying to figure out what happened. And they notice like little things, like you know, he all of a sudden, like they wake up in the morning, and then there are these handwritten notes. From their son that just like appeared on the floor, like they've never seen them before, um, and they and slowly they kind of start to piece together what's going on. But at the same time, they're like there's there's an element of the supernatural to it. You're not entirely sure what it is, um, but you feel like there's something more going on than than what meets the eye. And what I loved about this book, um, it's it's a much more subtle brand of horror. So if you're not totally on board with, you know, in your face horror. This might this might be one to to kind of, you know, if you want to, you know, dip your toes in the water. Um this might be a good one to to try, but what I loved about this book was just how much there was there was compassion in like every page. With the way the author talked about the characters and how they were handling their grief, it was very realistic, but it felt very human and I think that made the story feel so much more realistic and you know by the end of by the end of the book, it was just you know you felt so strongly for these characters, and yeah, it was creepy, there were horrifying moments. There was suspense, but there is just this really wonderful human quality to this story that I just loved, Um, and I immediately like tweeted at the author. I was just like, "Oh my god, your book just broke me to pieces!" Um, (laughs) And he's got a new one coming coming out I think next year that I'm super excited for. Um, But if you're looking for a good horror mystery mashup, um, I would definitely recommend Disappearance at Devil's Rock by Paul Tremblay. Um, And then in terms of books that I'm starting, like I mentioned, I'm still working through The Fifth Pedal by Bruno. Barry, which um, I'm hopefully going to finish sometime this week. Um, and I want to I want to pick up some more true crime, but I'm not sure what I'm looking for. Um, to, we'll talk about this more in a future episode, I, I think. But um, my boyfriend and I have been watching Mindhunters on Netflix, um, a new uh, true crime series that that just came out on Netflix, and we're loving it. Um, and I'm, like, really jonesing for some for some good true crime recommendations. Um, so, listeners, if you happen to have any really good true crime recs, I would love to hear them. Um, I've read, uh, you know, I've read Helter Skelter. Um, I've read a few Anne Rule books. Like, I've read a lot of the true crime classics, but I'm just... If you if you read true crime and you have some good suggestions, hit me up. Let me know. I would love to hear your su- hear your suggestions and pick up something good that'll uh, that'll get me through this mindhunter fix that I'm going through because we're almost finished with the series and my season two isn't out yet. So I'm gonna <laughs> need something to something to occupy my time while I'm waiting for that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. All right.
1: Well, that's our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Uh, You can head over to bookriot.com slash listen to check out our show notes. We'll have links to the different uh, uh, articles we talked about related to the snowman, as well as links to all the books that we talked about, as well as a link to the giveaway that's happening. Definitely make sure you go and enter that if you haven't already, because... I don't understand why you wouldn't if you had the choice. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So that way other people will be able to find us and will check us out. Um, If you want to chat with us, you can find us both on Twitter. I am at Rincey A.
0: And I am at KT underscore library lady. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye. See ya.